Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome ghouls and ghosts alike to the spooky Chicago Courier Pigeon miniseries. We've transformed for the season and have some ghastly tales for you to listen to. Do you enjoy haunted houses and spooky adventures? Have you ever thought about why you yearn for an adrenaline rush? The screams? The rapid heartbeats? The sweat? During this time of year, children and adults alike stand in long lines to experience a creepy attraction from eerie hayrides to haunted prisons in hopes of getting a jolting spook or a thrill of feeling uneasy. Which is a bit strange, isn't it? Why do people pay to subject themselves to feeling terror at any level? To be fearful in daily life is often looked down upon as a weakness or as a signal of strength and intuition when it comes to survival tactics. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the word fear is defined as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. So why do we seek this feeling out? In this episode of Courier Pigeon, we uncover the truths about fear, why we get excited when we're spooked, and the financially beneficial side of it, too. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. Halloween is one of those holidays where you celebrate the whole month. All October, there's pumpkin patches, apple orchards, scary movie nights, trick-or-treat, haunted houses, and more ghostly activities. But for now, let's take the binoculars and zoom into the rear window of haunted house attractions. Don't worry, we'll get into the real haunted places in the next episode of our spooky series. Anyway, according to the Smithsonian Magazine, in the late 1930s, the first haunted houses were just families decorating their basements to provide a spooky experience for their kids. But haunted houses didn't become a cultural phenomenon until Walt Disney himself decided to create one of his own. In 1969, Disneyland, the one in California, not Florida, opened its haunted mansion attraction. And in a single day after its debut, more than 82,000 people walked through the experience. The scale to which it's grown today is is really astonishing and it's because people are willing to dedicate their time and money to this um and it, you know it's not just the haunted houses it's also the uh costumes and dressing up and decorating as more and more of those 
things have become accessible to more consumers, uh, the more people are, are getting into it. That's Dr. Margie Kerr, sociologist and author of Scream, Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear, and Ouch, Why Pain Hurts and Why It Doesn't Have To. Kerr analyzes why people more or less want to be scared. We'll get more into that in a little bit, but because people like to be immersed into scary scenarios, there's been a bit of a surge of places to go to to induce some screams. The Haunted House Association says the rise in haunted houses really came after the mainstream popularity of scary movies introduced characters to us like Freddy Krueger, Jason, and Pinhead, to name a few. These iconic horror leads are still hailed today with loads of merchandise being produced and sold to those who embody the Halloween spirit year-round. Recently, we've seen the return of popular films with continuing sequels and follow-ups from their original tales. For example, Jamie Lee Curtis walked back into her role as a protagonist, Laurie Strode, in Halloween Ends, which came out last week. A recent sequel titled Dr. Sleep showcases a grown-up Dan Torrance coming back to the Stanley Hotel after the events he experienced as a child in the original film, The Shining. That came out in 2019. While we love getting spooked by streaming a film at home or going to the theater, some want a more immersive experience. And where could somebody go for that? A haunted house. According to America Haunts, the haunted house industry generates $300 to $500 million a year in ticket sales. With that large of a number, we want to ask someone who works in these places why so many people flock, sometimes year-round even, to be purposely spooked. Chris Zorobsky, founder of Haunted House Chicago, has been reviewing haunted houses across the Chicagoland area for over two decades. So there's a haunted house, no matter what you're looking for, there is something that will help you enjoy your Halloween spirit a little bit more. And so if you're afraid of clowns, I can give you some haunted houses that have a lot of clowns. If you're afraid of the dark, we've got lots of those too. You know, if you're afraid of a prison environment, we've got those, you know, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's what we kind of use as our generic reference for like what we look for in a haunted house to make sure that the illusion is as complete as possible. In Chicago specifically, we have some of the most well-known haunting experiences. The Hell's Gate Haunt in Lockport, Illinois, a southwest suburb of Chicago, is number three on the top 13 list of scariest haunted houses this year, according to the Haunted House Association. It's one of the few experiences in the area that's hidden deep in the woods and takes around 45 minutes to run through. A rather long time to get your adrenaline pumping, that's for sure. Some of the places Zorowski has reviewed include real-life instances or all-too-real-sounding tales that can send a shiver down anyone's spine. It's just great to see and great to be a part of. Chicago, more than anybody else, because we have such a long history, and we do, we have like, you know, the murder capital, H.H. Holmes, and we've got um, all of this fun, fun stuff. We even touch into some of the serial killer lore and things like that. I think it builds a mystique. You know, we are um, we're an old city. We've got lots of fun secrets. And um, that's what really, really brings out with the haunted attractions that's different than, than any other market in the entire country. But what makes a good haunted house? 
What are some of the most important things to incorporate into your haunted experience? I.e., what's going to make someone scream the loudest? We kind of summarize it as like FEAR, F-E-A-R, an acronym that we kind of stand for, like F is in fright. So F stands for fright. So we love fun houses. And I think a lot of people have gone to like when the traveling carnival comes by and stuff like that. There's a fun house and those are great. But what separates us apart is that, yes, <laughs> there is an element of fright and people jumping out at you and um, messing with your mind and trying to kind of get to a primal level of making you a little bit scared or making some goosebumps jump up. So so making sure that it's a scary environment um, is, is step one. Number two, the E of fear is for environment. It's all a theatrical production and it's an illusion. And so we have to make sure that that environment matches whatever you're trying to encapsulate. A is for atmosphere. One of the key things that we do as haunted attractions and all of the haunted attractions of our area and country is we invest in props, different special effects, um, fog machines, special lighting. We want you to feel like you're in a movie. So Robsky's acronym for fear concludes with the R standing for return and recommendation. Because a haunted house isn't seen as the best until everybody is talking about it. Fear is subjective. Everyone will have a different interpretation based on their own life experiences, emotions, and thoughts on what fear could mean to them. For example, I'm deathly terrified of frogs and animatronic dinosaurs. Chalk it up to watching Jurassic Park when I was a kid and having bad experiences with baby frogs on a porch. But most other people adore frogs, so much so it's trending in fashion and memes, and others love Jurassic Park and are entrenched in the fandom. To understand how fear works in the sense of a haunted house, or maybe through watching a dastardly scary flick, let's jump back to Dr. Margie Kerr to explain how it might be a way to empower somebody. You know, even though you go in knowing that nothing is really going to hurt you, there's not a real horde of zombies inside. Uh, when we, you know, make it out the other end, we feel a sense of accomplishment, kind of like running a, a marathon. Um, we stress our bodies and we go through something that's really intense and we're still here. So that that brings its own sense of, of reward. However, it can also be about escaping the realities of life. We also found that the positive mood ratings were related to a global decrease in brain reactivity. So basically, after doing something scary, people just, the, the kind of picture is that they weren't getting as caught up in, in their thoughts or, you know, ruminations. Um, that internal dialogue was just turned down and that was associated to, to feeling better. If you think back to a Psych 101 class you took in high school or college, You'll remember something called the fight or flight response, which is an automatic psychological reaction to an event that is being perceived as threatening, stressful, or frightening. Kerr uses that response as a way to understand the psychology behind fear. Because we don't want to have a goal of not being afraid of anything. You know, our, our threat response and um, that that defensive response has protected us and kept kept us alive. So we want to have a healthy threat response and, and a healthy sense of fear. Um, and one way to kind of make sure that our, 
our threat response is working for us is to intentionally do activities that are going to scare you a little bit so you can use them as a tool to help understand yourself and your own body's reactions better um, and increase that sense of control uh, over you know when you want to be afraid or when fear is working for you and when it's actually keeping you from achieving your goals but what we do see um, as a general finding, you know, the, the majority of the population or the norm is that whenever we're startled, whether we're startled by a light or a sound, uh, even an unexpected touch, um, in that moment, our, our sympathetic nervous system is increasing the circulation of all of these different chemicals and hormones that are designed to help us survive. The natural body's response to stress and danger led us to discuss how real life stress can affect our approach to fear. And let's be honest, the world over the last handful of years has been pretty scary in its own right. People who are maybe serving overseas in a war zone or um, just during the pandemic experiencing all of this chronic stress, um, that a portion of those people will go to places like haunted houses or play scary video games and watch scary movies and find a sense of relief and just reduction in their anxiety. And that might be related to uh, the feeling of control in that moment that, you know, you're engaging with stress and fear on your own terms. And uh, so, you know, you just kind of have that boost of self-reliance and confidence during a time that we're all feeling so vulnerable and so exposed. So there could be that element, but there's also the very big question of, you know, when is that not working? You know, when do, when does the stress, the real life stress get to a point where engaging with something scary is is not the, the, the solution or the thing that people want to do. And I think that um, there's an answer in there somewhere. I, I wish that I knew the answer to that, but I, I do think that there are relationships between chronic stress uh, and that type, the type of chronic stress and acute stress uh, and personality traits and how those things go together to uh, influence whether or not a person is going to enjoy um, intentionally getting scared or not. Kerr has spent the last few years understanding fear, pain, and anxiety by collecting psychological data, measuring how the brain and body respond in real-life threatening situations, which has assisted her in connecting with her own fears. I've found that studying fear really has made me appreciate my my threat response all the more. So now I feel like I have a really good idea of how my body is going to respond in different situations. Um, I do have a really sensitive startle reflex and that, that continues. No matter how many times I've been startled, I still have that immediate, just knee-jerk reaction. Um, so, you know, I doubt that 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 will change much and and I don't really want it, want it to change. I enjoy that kind of, um, you know, I am a bit of a thrill seeker, so uh, that works for me. But in studying fear, it has pushed me to challenge myself more when I do feel a sense of anxiety and stress coming up. Uh, instead of just being completely reactive, I stop and try to think about, you know, what is it in this situation or this moment that is making me feel a little bit scared, you know, and can I challenge it? Do I want to challenge it? Um, can I learn from this? For Zorowski, he thinks consumers want to challenge themselves. Why do people do this? Like, I am afraid of spiders. Why would I put myself in a room filled with spiders or clowns or whatever? 
And I think it's that to prove something to ourselves. I think it's to, to live that excitement, to enjoy the Halloween season. And for a second, know that whatever we're really afraid of isn't going to really hurt us, but it'll at least give us a good startle. And uh, we'll laugh about it with our friends when they make fun of us for it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A 2022 survey done by the National Retail Federation Annual Halloween Spending Survey found that Halloween-related activities were resumed to pre-pandemic levels this year with 69% of consumers planning to celebrate this season. You've probably already seen this happening as far back as August. With the rise of all these spooky things in pop culture, the mainstream appeal of Halloween latches on early and slowly releases into the public's bloodstream up until the stroke of midnight on All Hallows' Eve. Financially speaking, aside from the deep reactions garnered by the holiday and everything that's incorporated into it, the estimated spending this year for costumes, candy, decoration, attractions, and more is about $10 billion. But why all of a sudden has there been a large increase in wanting to go out to be a mysteriously sinister ghoul? Our friend Zorowski has the answer. When COVID hit and 50% of our attractions had closed, it's very tough. It's very tough to pay your bills. It's very tough to keep your staff uh, because your staff needs to make money, especially if they work for a haunted attraction that does pay does pay money to those actors. There, there are still plenty that are volunteer as well. So those folks are going to go move on to other opportunities because, again, they do that for the money and for the love. But, but money is important to them, you know, for that aspect. Last year we saw a huge resurgence, and I think everybody took a huge sigh of relief because, as you perfectly, you know, said it earlier, people came out in droves. They were excited to not be in the house and they didn't want to experience something through a TV screen or through their cell phone screen. They wanted to do it in, in real life. They wanted to feel all those emotions and be in those environments. And so we really had a great resurgence. The resurgence doesn't come without any challenges though. As we see the rise of social media and its influence on the new generation, we have to wonder what new things have developed to make 2022 a totally different experience from 1969 this generation is a lot faster. <laughs> um, we are very instant gratification people. You know, if our emails, uh, if someone doesn't respond to our, our text message or an email within 15 minutes, we think that they're off of work for that day. <laughs> um, so everybody's looking for that quick thing. Haunted houses 25 years ago, they could build up the suspense. You could have two minutes of dark hallway, and then finally something, you know, comes out at you. Here, every room, every every little square inch of every haunted attraction is decorated. 
and it's got something to entertain you, something to distract you, something to look at. Um, so they've become more complex and the props and the special effects that are required to do those 25 years ago were maybe a bucket of black paint. It may be a couple of zombies, you know, an electric chair, et cetera. Now you've got um, probably one room could have thousands of pieces. Like if you imagine a doll room, um, that doll room might, you know, 25 years ago might've had maybe 25 dolls. Now you probably have 2,500 and people need to have all kinds of stuff to take their attention away. And that's really what this new generation is, is really loving about haunted attractions. But thrill rides, haunted houses, and everything else in between isn't for everyone. But for those who do want to rattle their bones, Kerr wants those people to know that it's normal to want to seek out those terrifying feelings. It's totally okay if you don't like to be scared with haunted houses and horror movies. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And by no means do I think that everybody should do it, you know, whether they want to or not. I think that the important thing is that we're always finding ways to, to challenge ourselves and, you know, approach things with more of a adventurous outlook. But um, I don't think anyone should ever feel like they have to do something um, that's in the horror entertainment realm. So it's really about knowing yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM Courier Pigeon, our newest podcast. We'll be back next week in our spooky series with another haunting tale. Until then, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. WBBM Courier Pigeon is an original podcast production. It is produced, written, and edited by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Reporting for this episode was done by Lauren Brown. Thanks for listening to WBBM Courier Pigeon. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.